Now that comes from our close personal friend uh, Jamie Stegmar, right over there at Stronghold. No, no, no. That's nope, nope. Uh, Stonemeyer. Stegmeyer. Damn. Damn. Stonemeyer. Uh, I'm gonna so edit this out, you know, <laughs> so I don't look stupid. Yeah, there you go. All right. better uh, production quality on this one. Perhaps with a musical intro or something. I don't know, because this is future Adam's problem, not current Adam's problem. So, I don't know. This is a surprise even to me. I know. We'll, we'll see what he does. Anyway. So, uh, with me always is uh, Richard and Roy, my friends from up north. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Standard Time. So, uh, my name is Roy, and I live in Michigan, and all summer, my nine-year-old daughter has been griping and complaining about uh, daylight savings time, because that means she has to go to bed when the sun's still out. So, she's finally, her nemesis has been defeated. Oh, wow. We're back to standard time. I remember that as a kid, being like, it's my bedtime. It's like, the sun is out. What are you talking about? You know? And, yeah. And... Thinking about our, our recording tonight, I realized that um, I'm in the Eastern Time Zone and you guys are in the Central Time Zone. Right. So for about one golden hour, it was the same time in in both time zones. Magical hour. It is. Yep. We should have recorded during that hour. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought you were always in Central, but okay. Yeah. Well. All right. Yeah. The this whole tonight, I've thought. I, I've been an hour behind. I've been like, oh my gosh, it's it's seven o'clock. I've got to add stuff to it. And I'm, no, it's really six. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So I guess I've got time. <laughs> my daughter was in pajamas until about two thirty this afternoon when I said, you got to put clothes on because we got to go places. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> I wish they just abandoned the whole thing, but yeah, I keep hoping. Aren't we supposed nope. to blame farmers? Isn't that the thing? We blame farmers. Is that a- I don't know. Is it their fault? And I think I farmers hate that, though, because, like, it changes the um, – they have to kind of reset all of their livestock and everything, too. I mean, the the time of the, that the, the animals are regarding doesn't change. Right. Yeah, my dog oh. wanted to get fed an hour early tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah. They always they always do. They're like, hey, it's, it's food time. <laughs> my in-laws are, are farmers, and um, their whole thing is like, why do they do this? We go to work before the sun comes up, and we – we uh go to we end work after the sun goes down. So really, whatever you're doing with time doesn't matter to us. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a long time ago. I don't know what it is. Anyway, where else will you hear about uh time and, except for the Chance of Gaming podcast? No, Harold on Games is not talking about daylight savings time. I promise you. <laughs> so this is the premium weather and time change podcast. Weather and time change. <laughs> this is this is what the kids want right here. All right. So uh, we always start our podcast with what we're playing, and for some dumb reason, I'm up front, and uh, so I'll talk about it. And I actually got to play a game of Saga, 
I don't know if you guys are familiar with this in your area. It is a Dark Age skirmish game that's relatively popular. It comes from Tomahawk Studios, which is out of France, which is kind of a whole thing because, you know, here in America, we have to, like, import really cool games. And, uh, yeah. So I got to play a game of it, and it was fun. Not, o- not only that, apparently, as of today, the day we record this podcast, they announced that they're doing a fantasy version of this. And when I'm editing this podcast, I will try really hard to find you a actual link to a news release. But as of we recording this podcast, there's nothing. You've just seen the stuff. You follow us on Twitter at Chance of Gaming all one word on Twitter, you'll see the pictures and stuff I posted. And <laughs> it kills me like how they announced it. They best basically did this big flyer that's about six feet tall and about three feet wide at this convention they were at, and they just stuck it out there in the middle of things, in the middle of a tournament. So people are just wandering by and just taking pictures of it, announcing the fact that they're doing a fantasy version of Saga. So... So is this like adding wizards and dragons and stuff like that to the game? Well, see, that was my question. I I was like, well, is this because it's historicals? You start, right. you it's do dark like, ages, but yeah, yeah, it's like Vikings on into the Crusades. You know, it's got Normans, Saxons, you know, uh, late Romans, all this stuff. And um, so I thought, like, well, are they just adding like wizards and shit to it? You know, we get like Merlin or something coming in, and no. What they're essentially doing is, like, this This will be a rule set, and they aren't doing any specific miniatures for it. It's like, you can put in whatever. Like, one of their factions is called the Horde. So, if you, they happen to be green-skinned orcs, so be it. And the other one is, like, a um, forest-earthy-type faction, and uh, well, so that's if, your elves. Well, yeah, that's the thing is they if they happen to be elves, then so mm-hmm. be it. It's mm-hmm. just kind of where they're doing it. So, eh, I hope I'll end up with some dwarves. That's all I care. So there <laughs> you go. <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, the big news for it. They're doing magic, and um, yeah, the other thing was uh, Flames of War still going like gangbusters in my uh, local group. And I think that, thanks to me, sort of, I'm just going to, you know, tip my hat here, uh, they're going to be carrying Warlord Games stuff. Based on my past interview, I passed the info, my shop owner listened to the interview, and I passed along the info, and I think they're going to do Warlord Games stuff. And I actually did a couple of articles on chanceofgaming.com that kind of just covered that. I did... um, historicals expanding your customer base and this was kind of like why uh just flames of war and uh bolt action and stuff like that is successful and then i did the so you want to get into historicals to kind of do the opposite side of the coin they're just different articles if you're interested in reading it one is like how to do it really easy you know uh like through uh, battlefront with flames of war or Bolt Action with Warlord Games, or any of their other ones, the upcoming Cruel Seas, which is going to be big in my area. So, 
that they make it easy to get into it. To a lesser extent, the next article is uh, like how to get into ancients gaming, like what you have to do and what it's like, you know. So there you go, you know, just some different things. Toss it in there, and there you go. <laughs> and I guess the, the, my my last thing out of that is Richard. Where is my GMT order? It's right behind mine. I was so, going to ask yeah, if, if you had I, got yours because I'm no, seeing people. I called people... them. I called them and I said, make sure that I get mine before Adam gets his. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still waiting on mine too. Um, I know I've seen on Twitter people are you know posting pictures saying, you know, here's my haul. And I saw – I can't remember who it was. Someone posted on Twitter yesterday I think that I've got a 26-pound box coming from GMT tomorrow. So – uh, yeah, they're they're coming. They're on the way. I go to the GMT website, and it it doesn't say shipping yet. But I've I've had things show up on my doorstep unexpectedly from GMT before. So I think um, you know they're they're coming out. They'll be here soon. I'm really hoping that it will get here sooner rather than later, just because there's a World War One game in there that I really want to play. Uh, yeah. I, I've seen st- people on Reddit, people on Twitter and stuff like that. They're like, oh, here's my, you know, my GMT, my thing came from the sale. And I'm like, where's mine? And <laughs> I say, my thing with it, Richard, is I need one of those games for Board Game Geek Con in two weeks. So please, can it come in this week? I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in the same situation with that World War One game. We've got our monthly game day coming up in a couple of weeks, and you know we've been saying, oh, let's play World War One games, so I'm hoping to get Serbia Must Die before that day. Serbia Must Die? Okay. Serbia Must Die, yeah. It's that in was... German. It's like Serbia Must Ser- Moose Ser- something, but I don't speak German, but that's what it translates to, is Serbia Must Die. You know why you don't speak German? Because we won? Yes, that's why. That's That's what they say. That's why. So, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. It has all those weird Russian vowels or whatever. That weird. The Serbian mob Serbian. Yeah. Nineteen fourteen. Okay. Yeah. I I got you. I got you. It looks pretty cool. And uh, yeah. So Roy, you didn't hit the GMT uh, sale at all, right? No, I did not. Okay, that's cool. You keep hanging around with me and Richard. Okay. Yeah. It, it are, may, it's it's off. a it's a brutal time of the year for wallets though because I think I think Compass and Revolution both have sales and MMP so they're going to start theirs pretty soon though so oh it's brutal. All right, I know. Yeah, re, as we as we speak, Revolution has got theirs, and Compass is doing theirs, and I haven't looked to see, but usually NWS will not only match but beat the compass sales because they they carry compass the main one i'm waiting on which should be in a couple weeks which is going to kill my wallet is our close personal friends over at holland spiel yeah that's another one i've forgotten about that one yeah if you in the interview we talked we did with them he's like yeah you know we we usually do one around november runs a couple weeks gosh i've got like four or five yeah, I, I think I'm going to pick up NATO Air Commander when that comes out. Oh, yeah, I saw where people are streaming that, and yeah. all, all the folks are excited. So, yeah. So, anyway, Richard, take us away with what you're playing. 
Yeah, we had our monthly game day last week, actually, so for the STL Wargamers, and uh, I got to play Battle Him against another person for the first time. I had just been playing it solitaire so far. Uh, we got out the P-Ridge scenario. Um, interesting because, you know, I'm from Missouri, and that's not far from here. The You know, the Missouri-Arkansas border is just a few hours away. I've been down there lots of times, and the terrain down there, I mean, if you've heard of the Ozarks, it's super hilly and very, you know, wooded and very rough terrain. And the map for the P-Him scenario or P-Ridge uh, scenario very much reflects that. It's a brutal map as if you're trying to move forces across the map. So there's a lot of places that you just can't go. And if you're forced to retreat into certain uh, terrain features, then you just immediately lose the the unit altogether so we just played the uh the intro scenario uh it was only three turns and honestly there wasn't much you could do in the three turns i like the game a lot i, I really want to play one of the campaigns either gettysburg or p ridge where you're playing over the course of multiple days to really get a feel for the game i know i like it and i'm looking forward to having that chance to play with someone and then we also played a game called Medieval. Have you guys heard of this game? No. So it's who's, actually who's it by? Uh, it's a Richard Berg game, Berg, <laughs> uh, by GMT. Um, and I, I've actually seen this game on the the Ding and Dent up at uh, Miniature Market. I've seen it there lots of times. I've picked it up and perused it. Thought it looked interesting, but never picked it up. And um, one of the guys at the game day happened to bring it, so we got a chance to play it. It's it's actually it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's you play in you know mid- medieval Europe. Obviously, it's a, a semi historical game. It's got real powers, and you know it's got the different countries and the different powers that you're trying to take control of and build your empire. Um, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. There's nothing too uh, crazy about it. The rules are pretty light but one thing i thought was really interesting about the game is that it's set against the backdrop of the uh i guess the the not the mongols the the, the uh Almost. yeah the mongols you know the mongols they were the ones that attacked around that time i was i was thinking of the huns but they were oh. early yeah so the mongol hordes coming in and attacking europe and you basically just start like knocking out tiles of the map Every time you draw a Mongol horde card, um, and, if, and if if you control those areas, you're just going to lose control of them, and you're going to get weaker because your empire gets, uh, you know, weaker as they basically burn down Europe. And uh, when you draw all the Mongol tire tiles, at that point, the game is over. So uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was something I would definitely want to play again. Can I just say, um, and I'll post this in the show notes. I found the greatest review of this game ever. <laughs> really? On on YouTube. I'm actually just been watching it with no audio. I have no <laughs> idea what the guy is saying. But just the way the guy looks and everything, yeah, this is awesome. I completely believe whatever he's saying. Whatever he has for sale, <laughs> I'm buying it. Well, you're going to have to post that so I can watch that one then. Yeah, I, I tossed it in the chat there. You can look at it. The facial hair, the, the actual head hair, and, yeah, everything on this. I don't know who this dude is, but, yeah, I want to subscribe to his channel. All right. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and then I also got a chance to play Spirit Island, which is something I've been wanting to play for a long time and finally got a chance to play that. Have you guys played that one? Don't that's, know that one. I'm thinking Dinosaur Island. That's different. Never mind. No, this is a different one. So Spirit Island... 
um, you play the spirits of this island, sort of like the guardian spirits. And it's a co-op game. Um, I think you can play it solo or you can play with up to, I don't know, four or five players maybe. Um, we played with three. Um, it scales really well. Basically, they're the, the island is these little tesseract tiles that fit together nicely and if there's one player you play with one tile if there's two players you play with two tiles and so it scales really well um it was very easy uh i will say but we played at the easiest difficulty level too so you play guardian spirits and there are colonists and explorers on the island and basically your job is to kill them all and scare them off so that they don't ruin your island (laughs) yeah so it's an interesting idea for a game uh, like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. It was very easy, but we didn't play with a lot of the, the more advanced features of it. We were just kind of learning the play. Uh, my friend owns a game, so I'm sure we're going to play it more, and I definitely want to ramp up the difficulty and see what we can do in, a, in this game. All right. And we played some more Time Stories. Uh, we played Estrella Drive. I think we've played everything except for the very last one of Time Stories. I think we've gone through the whole series now. So uh, I heard that the last uh, module is pretty different from the other ones, so I'm looking forward to playing that one. And then I've also been playing Unconditional Surrender Europe. Uh, been playing that over Vassal with a friend. We've just been like learning to play it over Vassal, and I think we're going to get together sometime and put it on the table and play it. Uh, as well so that's a, a big you know gmt game all of the european theater of world war ii i've heard good things about it and it is a lot of fun it's uh it's a pretty heavy game uh but i'm enjoying it so far and then i've also been playing just by myself solitaire little advanced squad later just playing both sides i haven't had a chance to play in a few months so i just plopped it down on the table and thought well i'm just going to start playing through a lot of these scenarios that i haven't played yet so I'm doing that as well. Okay, that's yeah. Unconditional surrender, World War Two Europe. What uh, is that like? Uh, OCS or what is that from? No, it's a it's a it's a strategic level game. It's um I don't think it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, like it's that. not yeah. MMP. It's it's. it's this one's GMT. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yep. It's just the all of the European theater of World War Two all the way down to I guess it's got North Africa in it as well. So. So what else you got? Oh. That's it. That's all I've been playing. That's uh, I'm looking to. Uh, I got some stuff coming up, but that's that's it for the last couple of weeks for me. All right, Roy, tell us about New Dawn. So uh, New Dawn is there's a game called Among the Stars from uh, Stronghold Games, and this is the sequel to it. Uh, and uh, this was a, a swag game that I got somewhere, um, and it's uh, it feels a little bit like a much it's like a non seven hour version of twilight imperium hmm. um what's so you have only two different what's that what's the fun in that well you know if you don't <laughs> if you uh just have an evening rather than a, a series of saturdays or something um, look it, look every time i make jokes about twilight imperium i have friends that get offended they they are they're like look man it doesn't really take eight hours if you know what you're doing you play for like three or four hours it's just a saturday afternoon it's not all day well i I wholeheartedly apologize to to your friends but uh so new dawn there's only two different uh units in uh in the game so you have your base units and then you have your mobile headquarter units so that's kind of like a 
a mobile space station space station that can move around the board and provide kind of uh, military support to places you're trying to attack or defend. Uh, so it starts out you start out everybody's collected in the middle of the board, and then you can do what's called explore a facility. So in the fluff, there's been this great civil war, and everybody's kind of retreated to this one alliance planet. And so after the end of the civil war, then people are expanding and reclaiming these these long forgotten uh, planets and places across the galaxy. So as you explore, you have a hand of cards and you flip and place one on the board and then there's an effect there and you put it down. You can take that effect and um, then you can then try to like put a base there. And so if there you can either try to just um, militarily claim it. And then you uh, add up some numbers and roll some dice. And if you beat a, a target number, then you claim it. Or you can um, buy it also. And then so that that uh, base goes on your uh, on that facility and it gives you victory points. But people can come after that and and contest you and try to seize control of that facility. So after you set a base on it, then you can rotate the card to face one of four different directions on the board to get another little benefit there. And then there's um, ambassadors that you can place around the board that give you various things. And so it's uh, it's about a two-hour game. It's, the uh, learning curve on it was pretty steep. Um, but once we kind of figured out what was going on, it, it tripped right along. And it's uh, it plays over five rounds. Um, so, I mean, you know, you know when the end's coming. Um, so I, at first I didn't like it, but it kind of grew on me a little bit. So I think I need to give that another play. So New Dawn from Stronghold Games. Questions? All right. So uh, I really dig uh, the the uh, sci-fi theme of it. And looking mm -hmm. at the designers, I cannot pronounce that guy's name because it has a lot of consonants in it. Yes. Constantinosis Canusis. So the uh, I think there was a little bit of a loss in translation going on with the instructions because there were things that were not clear, um, and we kind of and that's part of the part of the steep part of the learning curve. Yeah. Did you pull to figure this? Out what was, did I'm you sorry, get this yeah? from your landing library or did someone own it? No, I I I think it came from when we went on the Dice Tower cruise. Um, the uh, the head of Stronghold Games was, was one of the sponsors. Stronghold was one of the sponsors, and uh, so he was there on the cruise with us. And he, I think, this is one of the games that everybody got. Okay. What else to say about it? Um, well, do, do you like? Can you compare it to any other 4X games? Okay, so now there was uh, inside. You have the uh, the covered uh, bits that, when you uncover them, give you you know some benefit. Um, so this kind of had that, that, uh, mechanic where you, all of your bases go onto your card. And as you take the bases off of your card and put them onto the board, that uncovers numbers underneath. So when you're gathering your resources, you're gathering three different resources. There's military, there's economic and scientific resources. And so as the bases come off of the card, go onto the board, there's a number under there. And then when you go come around to gather your resources, you add up all those numbers and collect whatever it says on your card. Um, so there's some of the that mechanic is in there. Um, and uh, let's see. 
that you know i don't know it's i uh twilight imperium i mean like i say it's it's a uh a, a, a faster version of twilight imperium okay well that sounds good it's faster and uh yeah shouldn't take a an entire saturday or sunday to do it so yeah that's good and so then i played uh harry potter hogwarts battle uh with my wife and uh, so i'd played uh, maybe uh game three game four well we played game seven and uh, there was just so much going on that like i don't know i was i was a little not pleased with the playing of it because like I had a hand of cards, and then it, it seemed like the instructions on it should have been draw a hand of cards, and then tear them all up, and <laughs> then do like one thing, and then maybe you might not even be able to do that because there's all these different little. Um, there's three villains that come up, and each one has an effect on your hand of cards, so or on on some aspect of your turn. And plus, you're flipping cards that say lose a heart or lose three hearts. And you flip an, uh, another villain will say, you know, lose a heart. Whenever you lose a heart, lose a second heart or lose three cards. It just, there was such a, a run up to like, okay, have I got everything? Can I, can I start playing cards yet? And so I was, I don't know. And I was super tired too. So, but anyway, the game seven is pretty complex. So is, is this, this designed to be played in a row like a campaign where one builds on the next? Or can yes. you just – okay. So like in um, uh, Gloomhaven, you have a series of boxes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've, you've opened – it says open this box or open that box. There, and in this, the, the games are numbered just one through seven. Um, and so as you as you complete each game, then you can open the next box. Okay. Um so, or it's, I guess another uh, thing to compare it to would be uh, Pandemic Legacy, where you know you're open different boxes as you progress, and uh, so yeah. And this is a the deck building game, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Battle of Hogwarts or whatever yep. it's called. Yeah. And so in the, some of the later games, there's some dice that come into play too. So each each uh, each wizarding house has its own die that you roll for different effects. And there are cards that come into play that allow you to roll those dice. Uh, it's been on my list for a while because my kids are Harry Potter crazy. And they're, I don't know, I, I know there are a ton of Harry Potter games out there. But, you know, so many of them just seem like reskinned crap. This mm-hmm. one's seemed kind of interesting to me. So Yeah, it is. Know. But, I mean, it's, it really, you need to... Um, you need to play them in order, and the fact that I it went from game or you know year four to year seven or whatever it was um, was kind of it was a tough go for me. And then uh, I played some Scythe about a week ago and uh, did how I typically do, which is not very good, but I still enjoy <laughs> playing that game. Um, Who'd you play as? Let's see, I was. The I nah, sorry I do not recall. Um, yeah, I'm sorry I don't I don't know, I forget. Yeah, we always end up picking randomly, but I think Polonia is my favorite. I like mm-hmm. to run around, and they're the faction that gets to do the encounters. They get to pick two off the encounter card instead of just one. Mm-hmm. So I like to wander around and just grab all the little goody huts. Let's see, I was the 
gosh, I don't remember. I think it was the um, the what's the Norse faction? Yeah, the Nordics. Mm-hmm. Okay, that might have been it. I'm yeah. I don't recall. Um, well, then yesterday I played some Gloomhaven, and uh, so this would have been my about my third game of Gloomhaven, and um, I did okay. Although I ended up exhausted, uh, there was a f- I think five rooms, and I ended up exhausted at the end of the second room. Oof! Um, because <laughs> I kept I kept throwing out my burners. Yeah. And, what? Uh, which character are you playing? Uh, I am the Tinkerer. Okay, that's what I'm playing too. Okay. So the uh, but the the uh, goal that I got was the aggressor, where for every round at the start of every round there needs to be enemies on the board. And we were playing with a in a group of three, and I was I was worried that um, somebody was going to kill all the all the enemies, and they you know I wouldn't make that. So I kept rushing ahead, opening doors to ensure <laughs> that there were um, enemies on the field. Yeah, and, we uh, <laughs> we had that exact same situation a couple weeks ago, except it was the scoundrel doing that, and we're like, why are you running around opening doors? Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> So this was a this was an escort uh, mission where uh, we had a character that we were getting to an altar to pick up some kind of a oh yeah I know some kind of an artifact yeah Hale I believe is the character yeah okay that was the one where uh, so anyway that's this is would have been my yeah the probably about the third or fourth time I've played it and the other guys have been playing played a couple of games in between. Um, the the t- time I played yesterday and the previous time, so they're like at level three, and I'm almost a level two now. Yeah, the tinkerer levels really slowly too, unless you burn all your your lost cards. So mm-hmm. I've I've had trouble keeping up with the other two, but honestly, it's not that big a deal. We're all playing together, so um, mm-hmm. I've I've the two guys that I'm playing with consistently, they're playing the. Uh, the brute and the scoundrel and they're both i mean they're only one level ahead of me but they're always way ahead of me in xp so ah. see we have the uh the mind thief and the crag heart and the spell weaver is that the right yeah right yep. name okay and then the tinkerer but uh the the crag heart got is uh retired and the, the, there's some paladin character that came in okay we haven't retired any yet Oh, I'm probably okay. the closest. Ah. You just had to kill uh, a bunch of uh, cultists or bandits. So he just kept that's, ticking that's them off. That's all he had to do to retire? Yeah, he had to kill 20 wow. cultists or bandits. Oh, okay. So, but anyway, that's what I've been playing. So uh, the next one we have is What's on Your Radar? And uh, I tossed this on here because I just figured Richard might know what this is. I this don't is... know what this is, but I'm loving looking at it. This looks amazing. This is across the Narva. As I understand it, this is an older game that is getting reprinted. And who is this? Uh, oh, it's a Revolution Games. Okay. Yes, it, it's coming from Revolution Games. It is a re-implementation of a previously produced game by Three Crown Games titled Army Group Narva. They're updating it with new art, testing, and development. It simulates the continuation of the Leningrad Novogod offensive of January 1944, the Soviet-Estonian operation that pushed 
the front westward to the Narva River, aiming to thrust deep into Estonia. Stalin's main strategic goal was a quick recovery of Estonia as a base for air and seaborne attacks against Finland and invasion of East Prussia. So, there you go. Yeah. This looks pretty good, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to bring it to your attention. Uh, I... I was sold kind of by the cover art, you know, you got a snow covered, uh, tiger and, uh, yeah, you, you got me there. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker for Eastern front stuff. So that that's sort of getting into the, the later part of the war when the Soviets have all the, uh, have all the, the momentum going and the Germans are retreating, but yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah. This is February, 1944. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> So, uh, the next thing I had was, I'm assuming you guys are familiar with Frank Frazetta? You got me. No. No. Really? Educate us. Frank Frazetta is one of the most iconic artists in the realms of fantasy art. He did a lot of uh, old school Conan and, you know, stuff like that. It was a lot of muscular dudes with axes and topless chicks and, yeah. It was oh. like a really big thing. Yeah, like looking at the magazine picture, fair. Yeah, I, I'm sure that I've, I've seen his work before. I just didn't know his name. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. A- absolutely. And uh, this was just interesting to me because apparently uh, River Horse, this company, is taking his artwork and making it get into a game. The Frazetta Card and Dice Battle Game. And you can get your copy now. It is fast-paced competitive gameplay using a set of polyhedral dice as well as a set of 36 high-quality oversized cards, each displaying a unique and iconic artwork by the legendary Frank Frazetta. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'd like to see a gameplay video on that one, see how that works. I know that you know Star Wars Destiny uses, um, uses cards and dice together. But this one uses just a regular set of polyhedral dice. It's not even the the custom dice that Destiny uses. Right. Yeah. And that kind of like where Destiny lost me. It's like, uh, it's like, okay, I understand. Like, collect random cards. Don't throw random dice at me. But <laughs> you know, whatever. Anyway, the next thing we had was the Black Iron, a horror RPG up in Kickstarter. I really dig um, horror fantasy in a role-playing uh, setting. It's just kind of why I want to toss this on here. This uh, and this particular uh, premise kind of grabbed me. It was, and I quote here, Sometimes the solution is worse than the problem, or at least the proposed solution. During a long war between humans and elves, the elves summoned a giant ball of iron to fall from the sky and crush the human forces. Unfortunately, that iron ball has since corroded and is mutating and warping anything it touches. The elves fled because they're cowardly and have pointy ears. The humans mostly died off. Those that could took refuge underground. That's where you find yourself in the Black Iron a new horror fantasy RPG that's up on Kickstarter now. So, yeah, I just kind of dig that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I backed previously, dadgum, I can't even remember it, but essentially the whole um, 
I'll pull it up on Kickstarter at the moment. Was um, it was like zombies took over this whole fantasy world, and like the last bastion of uh, just survival was this dwarven city that was fortified. So I really dig it because I dig dwarves, and uh, they were kind of in control of this whole thing, and like humans and elves and all that were kind of a minority. And all around them were, like, surrounded with uh, zombies. So uh, I, I was like, wow, that's a really cool idea for a uh, role-playing game. And so, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll back that. It's, it was called The Lost Citadel. And it comes from... It's coming out from Green Ronin. Uh, it'll probably be out relatively soon at this point, because I think I backed it... Um, gosh, over a year ago. So, uh, yeah, so it's just kind of a cool, you know, addition, and, like, I like fantasy horror, so, you know, there you go. So, but this one looks pretty cool. The, yeah, the yeah. artwork is, uh, uh, well, lovely and disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Dig it. And, you know, honestly, if you're trying to sell me on fantasy anything, you shouldn't skimp on artwork at all. Yeah. You know, it, you should, because that's going to be, like, the thing that grabs people. So there's a character here that kind of it looks like it's out of a Hellraiser novel, and but you've got plenty of uh, good people trying to stay alive, too. Yeah, and you'll see this so, in the show notes. As of we record this podcast, they have 25 days to go. They need $3,892. They have raised $2,353. So they need about $1,500 more, 25 days to go. It'll probably make it, so... Mm-hmm. What it I kind of like looks like is... like a fantasy version of uh, the Terminator, uh, you know, the whole mythos of the of the Terminator films. Yeah, I, in a way, I agree. I I like it because it lists the different uh, cast and characters that you can play here, and I really dig the fact that I think I can spend twenty. Is it twenty pounds? Yeah, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, for 15 pounds, which is about $19, I get the PDF of this and all the PDF stretch goals. So that's, I mean, at this point in my life, that's all I really want. So for basically $20, I can back this, it'll happen, and I'll get all the PDF whatever on it because I don't need anything else. So there you go. So moving on, uh, the next thing we had was the Speaking of Kickstarters, Oak and Iron is coming out from Firelock Games. It's coming out in this week. As of you uh, listen to this, it's either out this day or the next day. We're recording this, and it will take... It comes out November 7th. And I got a guy locally that is super, super interested in backing this, so... I'm probably going to back it, and I just don't know at what level I want to do it. Essentially, it's like, I think it's a 1-600 naval game from Firelock Games. They make the uh, the pirate game, which is a lot of fun. I did a little demo of it locally, and uh, all the guys liked it because you can fight on the ship, you can fight with the ship, you can fight on land, or all of that together. But yeah, this together and uh yeah i'm very curious to see how it goes 
Yeah, they've so, been trickling information out on this one for a few months now, and everything they put out on it looks really good, though. I mean, it's it looks like a game that I would really enjoy playing. So um, I don't I don't think I'm going to back this one just because I got too much else going on right now. But I sure hope that I get a chance to play this one. It looks good. So I would be curious to know, like, how many models are required to play a kind of a tournament level game. Um, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because and it that's seems like not I'd, out yet. I'd love to play all these games, but I don't have that much time to paint anything. So, like, the models look like they're resin. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if if it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like six or eight models, I mean, being as they're ships, I could probably swing that. But if I got to paint, you know, thirty or forty, or well, it's no, probably not going to no, be no. that many, but. I you know I might be might be down for for giving this a go. Yeah. Looking at if looking if you look at the, look core, at the core, box, core box right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say it takes six. It comes with six. Is so that I'm assuming that's three, three on side? three. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So say double or okay to be safe say triple that say nine ships each side mm-hmm. to do a tournament style mm-hmm. game. So the core box, if if it's like a lot of core boxes, it's it's going to be, they're going to give you a bare minimum of number of ships. That's not enough for a full game, but enough to teach you the game. But yeah, yeah, if there's six ships in the core box, I'm guessing that a full game is going to be something like six ships on a side. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know. It looks cool. Yeah, at this point where I'm at is um, with a local I know is going to buy into it. I don't want a starter. I want to be able to buy just a faction and just get in that way to be able to give me the rule book, give me enough to field with my faction, probably French giving uh, me. And uh, yeah, it's that's kind of where I'm at. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I told the guy, I was like, look, I'm going to back this, but I'm going to totally see what you do first. You know, because I don't want to get in, like, buy in, like, spend, like, three, four hundred dollars and be like, uh, well, and then you were like, oh, okay, I just bought this. And uh, I just bought the rule book. So, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. I, I need to see your level of commitment, you know. Yeah. You know, I, sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, for whatever reason, Richard has Passive Glory stuck right here. What's that about? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to get to play it next week. I've, this is a, a big game that I've never had a chance to play, and like I said, we've been talking about World War One games, with it being the 100th anniversary of the Armistice Day. So uh, next Saturday, I'm finally going to get to play Paths of Glory. So we'll talk about that next podcast. I'll let you know how it went, but I'm really looking forward to that. That's kind of, you know, one of those signature games that, uh, I mean, it's, I think when people start talking about World War One games, that's it's probably the first one that a lot of people mention. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I I know it's been on my list for a while, and um, it's just fascinating. Like when you click on like the board game geek um, entry level for it, you know you get to look at the designer of you know Ted Racier, and if you click on him, his uh yeah, I would totally if I was him, I would totally sue Board Game Geek. Because of my picture on it, because it looks like a much a mugshot, but um, it doesn't look good. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and uh, past that, he designed the game I bought from GMT, which I don't have yet. Nineteen fourteen Eagles 
end and when eagles fight. Yeah. Sorry, glory's end and when eagles fight. So, you know, there you go. And this has been on my list forever. And uh, hopefully I'll get to see it. So the next thing was Adam Savage. Yes, that's me. So this morning I was uh, um, messing around on YouTube. And uh, Adam Savage, if you don't know, has a whole series of um, videos on YouTube uh, with some other people called Tested is the channel. And he does a lot of modeling stuff and cosplay stuff and some really cool builds that he did. Um, so they're they're fascinating to watch as he's uh, doing various things um, and you know uh, modding and and making uh, various costumes and then uh, kind of along with that I happened to find a uh, guy who did a D-Day diorama and I linked it there in the in the notes for you um, that is fascinating. So it's all like those Tamiya models that he's painted and put together. And um, he built a seascape, like, you know, like a, um, one of the beachheads where there's a cliff and there's the uh, uh, German troops have sandbags and it's all hand sculpted and painted. And it's just every bit of it's fascinating. Um, so these these dioramas and these modeling tutorials that they do, that people do on YouTube are really great. I so. know, I, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's just amazing from a diorama perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I've always looked at these, and I've been like, oh, my gosh, guy, why don't you, like, play, like, World War Two? You know, you can play bolt action or something. This looks fucking amazing. It's, yeah, just uh -huh. whatever. Yeah, so, um, amazing. Every time I watch cool. these guys uh, pull that hot wire through the foam, I just yep. think that that's the coolest thing. It yeah. just It's fun to watch. I have one of those I made that's kind of like a, a jigsaw, and I just kind of I modeled I, I I cobbled it all together out of uh, doorbell transformers and a uh, little rheostat, you know, to turn the heat up and down. And I haven't I'm not real good with it yet, but I have one, but it's kind of all came sprung out of my brain after I'd this seen. This is a diorama. No, the like a hot wire cutter. Oh, okay, yeah, yep. the thing to uh, cut, like, foam and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, I happened to see that uh, Keyforge is releasing soon, and we talked about this before. This is the, uh, from Fantasy Flight, it's the the constructible deck game where the, um, basically, you can't split the decks. So it's all right. about the gameplay and less about the chase of the of the cards. Which, I mean, each deck is going to, um, I believe it's $10 per deck. So I think people are going to, instead of chasing cards, they're going to be chasing whole decks of cards. <laughs> yeah, so. this one and Discover Lands Unknown mm -hmm. are both fascinating to me because of this whole uniqueness thing. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's it's definitely caught my attention. So Discover Lands Unknown uh, is out now. Right. And I had mentioned it to a friend of mine who he said he had heard about this game called Seventh Continent, which I've heard of, but I don't know that much about it. And I looked into it and I saw that it was an exploration game. And I said, well, you know, this Discover Lands Unknown's coming out. So, you know, maybe you want to try that out. And then I saw that it had come out and I texted him. He said, I just picked it up from the mailbox five minutes ago. <laughs> so he went ahead and got it. Um, 
and then he texted me a little bit later. He said, well, I'm an hour into it. And I've been defeated by starvation. <laughs> so then he reset it and played it with his daughter and uh, and managed to beat it. So, yeah, it's, that, that's kind of interesting, too. That's kind of on my radar as well. I know Seventh Continent. Um, I saw a just a mock-up of it at Gen Con a couple of years ago, and it was really excited people and then when it finally released a couple months later yeah people were like oh my gosh this is awesome and yeah i saw where it was going on the secondary market for a lot of money and yep. yeah he's he's like i don't want to spend 500 dollars for a game but i want something like that keyforge interests me i just don't know if i want to buy into it because i'm gonna buy but, into it and then i'm never gonna play it and it'd be right. a whole thing. the the starter is 30 dollars, but an individual deck is 10 dollars. so yeah, I don't. I'll probably end up picking up a starter just to see how it goes, and go to the demo at my FLGS too. Yeah, that's true. I I know. Um, in Mississippi, a couple of stores have had it for a week or two with the uh, demo deck. So I don't know how it's going. I certainly don't believe it would replace Magic. I'd be very surprised. But you know, there you go. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm still I'm interested just because of the concept behind it. Anyway. Yeah, me too. Uh, so the next thing we had was <laughs> as we recorded this podcast, I was going to toss this on here. MMP has announced their sale for later in the month. Uh, it will happen on uh, at one a.m. Eastern Standard Time on November sixteenth, and will end at twenty three fifty nine Eastern Standard Time November nineteenth. So what do you see here, Richard, that you can't live without? I think OCS. I don't have any OCS games, and I think I'm probably going to end up picking one of these up. Um, I also saw there's a SCS, a Standard Combat Series, a Ziploc game for 8 bucks. It's like a stocking stuffer. I'll get that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm really thinking about picking up an OCS game just because I've been wanting an OCS game for a while. So is, is Santa Claus going to stick that in your stocking? Uh, I'll just... Uh, well, uh, it'll be played before then, so. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, they got some I, good stuff on here. There's a lot of good ASL stuff on here, but I think OCS is probably what I'll be looking at. Let's see. I already have Breakthrough Cambrai, and then I want Heights of Courage. Oh, I have that and, one. And King Philip's War, because I read about that uh, in college and found it fascinating. Past that, uh, okay, the GTS is Grand Tactical. Yeah, and I don't know anything about that one. I have, like I said, I have uh, Heights of Courage, which is SCS, and I know what OCS is, but I don't know much. I don't know anything about GTS. OCS Past. is that Officer Candidate School? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a operational combat system. Ah, okay. And then uh, maybe sort of interested in Storm over Dien Bin Phu. Yeah, I've heard good things about that game. And then Warriors of God, which is the Mongols, and then Warriors of Japan, which is Japanese Civil War. But yeah, past that, I don't do not know enough about ASL to get any of the other stuff. So you know, more places to take my money. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So, I can give uh, you my draft. 
So moving on uh, to news, and yeah, Cruel Seas is coming out from Warlord Games. This is really big. Uh, I've been fascinated by the response it got locally, just in the sense of like, wow, you know, this looks really cool. I've always wanted to play a naval game. And I talked about this in the uh, blog post I did about like what, you know, if you're a company trying to make some money, trying to sell your product, like what it takes to get the quote-unquote average gamer, the the uh, the Games Workshop gamer, how to get them to buy your product. And I really think uh, Warlord Games is doing a good job with this. And uh, I've spent... This game isn't even out yet. I have not even pre-ordered it yet. And I have spent a ton of money buying Osprey uh, uh, books and uh, uh, memoir uh, books about this particular type of warfare. And the main reason is I had no idea it existed. This is coastal warfare with small ships. It's the PT-109, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It's the small crafts with, a, you know, a guy, you know, there's like two, three, 50 calibers, a 30 caliber, and just some assholes throwing grenades. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all this is, is there. And I was like, wow, I had no idea this was there. I was very interested in it. And then listening to the interview we did on it, the guy was like... It, he called it like a knife fight, and I completely understand that. Essentially, this is going to be like X-Wing or Wings of Glory, where it's a 4x6 table, and this uh, 1-300 level craft is you zip around trying to kill the other guy. You know, you may end up... I think scale-wise, you're going to do better than X-Wing. You're going to have a lot more ships. You're probably going to have... 10-ish. And, uh, because I think, uh, you know, the guy, uh, what's his name, talked about, like, well, you know, your average game is a thousand points, but if you wanted to field a destroyer, it's two feet long, and it is two thousand points. So, that's just really, really cool. And it caused, like, my, locally, them to be like, you know, I really want to play this, and I really want to play that uh, plane game they have, which is Blood Red Skies. So I think locally my shop is going to start carrying that, and he's not going to carry uh, bolt action because he doesn't want to mess with the Flames of War sales that are currently going. So, mm. you know. So moving on, um, DreamWorks Animation is going to develop a Mice and Mystics movie. Have either one of you guys played this game? I haven't played yes. it. I've, I've seen it. I have a copy of it from a friend of mine um, at my house right now. I, I know for me, I've owned it. I've owned it like twice. <laughs> I, I, I bought it when it came out. I was like, oh, my kids will play this. And then they never did. And it went out of print. And then it got really valuable. So I eBayed it. And it came back into print. And I bought it again. Because I was like, my kids will play this. And uh, yeah. <laughs> As of this recording, we have yet to play it. And I bought it twice. So uh, <laughs> there you go. What, have you played it, Roy? What do you think of it? I've, I've played a little bit of it. So the um, Stuffed Fables is from the same designer. Yes. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fine. I enjoy it. It's um, it, you know, it's essentially it's um, uh, shoot. Who's the the little cartoon mouse that drives the car? Stuart Little. Uh, oh wait, Stuart Little. Stuart Little. Yes. It's essentially it's a Stuart Little story with people getting shrunk <laughs> down into mice, and you know, dealing in a in a human world, or maybe uh, Ratatouille. But but the gameplay's fine. Yeah. You would recommend it. Uh, well. Do <laughs> <laughs> you play? It I, I guess I'm damning it with faint praise. It's fine. Okay. It, it's okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, the the movie still might be good. Oh yeah, we'll for see. sure. Yeah. The next thing we had was um, Asmodee. Uh, there's a sale for this group, and it closed. And this is a French private equity fund has completed its acquisition of global tabletop game powerhouse Asmodee. And, um, yeah, this is just kind of a thing that you kind of just want to kind of toss on here and talk about it just a little bit. It's, ah, because, I mean, Asmodee is like buying up everything. When you think of a big board game company, you think of, like, Fantasy Flight Games, and then you think of Asmodee. And so, yeah, there's this, yeah, it's been purchased, and we had mentioned before that it was for sale, and so, yeah, but what this means, I don't know. You know, as of this, in November of 2018, I, I don't know what it means. We'll, we'll just see. Yeah, when we talked about, when we first heard they were up for sale, we were throwing out names of who might buy them, people like, you know, Disney, and I, I've never heard of this Eurazo group, so it could be, uh, you know, it it could be that this is uh, you know it's just an investment thing for them and not it, maybe nothing will change at all except for who owns them you know what I mean yeah that's true I mean it's it's probably is just investment it's it's not a thing where it's like oh yeah let's just come in here and yeah we'll we'll buy this and that means that you know this we're gonna put this out and blah 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 and you know yeah so uh, so there we go with that and uh the next thing we had was compass gains is doing the korean war yeah did i put this one on here <laughs> no i think i know actually i think i did yeah. uh just because it's interesting i don't know we mentioned in the previous interview um that bolt action is about to do the korean war and now compass gains is also about to do the korean war yeah asl recently put out a korean war module i think the forgotten war is getting remembered all of a sudden yeah, it really is. Um, I had a friend in high school. He was a good friend of mine. His dad was a Korean War veteran, and he had just the you know the most fascinating stories. And he was always always a little miffed that he was kind of forgotten. He was like, "Yeah, people all you know." This was like you know early nineties. You know, and he was like, "You know, everybody talks about World War Two, and everybody talks about Vietnam." He was like, what the fuck did I do for eight years, you know? <laughs> he was really mad about that. He was like, I fired my M1 until the wooden stock caught on fire, you know? He was like, I did stuff. Why does nobody care? So, um, yeah. Yeah. I always, think of, I always think about Mr. Mike when it comes down to uh, the Korean War stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it goes. And you could – I don't think this counts in the uh, Compass Games sale. That is going on, but yeah, you might be interesting to get this. I know I'm interested uh, in the ASL version sooner or later. 
Yeah, I don't know anything about this game particularly, but if it's from Compass Games, probably is a really nice looking map. That would be my guess. Yeah, Compass always gets me with the um, their sub stuff. They do. Uh, they have a really good, and I kind of hate it solitaire, but then I kind of don't. Um, they do a World War One uh, U-boat and World War Two U-boat game that are both solitaire. I'm like, eh, I don't want to play solitaire. I want to play with my friend. <laughs> and so, yeah. Anyway. So, moving on. Um, apparently, there is a copyright issue with Meeple over in... Um, really? I don't know what's, what's going on with that. Look, a friend of mine tossed me this, tossed me this link, and um, it, it, it's a whole thing. There's a copyright issue not only with like the term meeple, but you know, the shape, you know, the little guy. Yeah, sure. You know, he has, he, he has tiny little arms and big, big legs and yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, this is European publishers. There has been a copyright made on, uh, meeple in the European union. So, yeah, I wonder, I, gonna... I wonder where our, it's one of those words that everyone knows and everyone uses, but I don't know where I first heard it. Maybe Carcassonne? I Yes, yeah. that that's where I did. Yeah. So and uh yeah, I, I I don't know. Is somebody trying to make money and um or, you know, trying to keep it from becoming like Xerox where it's just a normal thing that you can't copyright. Too late on I, that. I, <laughs> I, I would think. And I'll have this linked in the show notes, just where like, you know, this thing I found on Twitter from Suzanne. This is four two five Suzanne, and um, yeah, she's just curious and asking about the different European publishers that have um, been hit with this. So yeah, it's the whole thing. So it, I don't know. So while I'm thinking about it, as a woodworker, I a while ago tried to find a router bit or a shaper bit, a shaper knife that would make meeples to cut out that profile and you can't find anything anywhere. And I like, if I go onto these websites that like deal in woodworking tools, they just, I, I would think that somewhere that somebody would sell that profile, um, of, a, of a router bit, but no place I've been able to find has been able to, I've uh, been able to get one. So like you'd mill it onto a stick and then just, uh, cut slices off of it and have little meeples. I've been thinking about trying to make some, some custom meeples. Huh. So if you anybody's aware of what's that, you think that's because of the copyright or I don't just know because no one's done it. Yeah. I, and you know, I, I'm sure I could get like a, a custom router bit ground, but that's, you know, how much is that going to be? 200 bucks. Um, I don't, it's, I'm, that's not worth that much to me, huh. but anyway, if anybody knows of a place that has a, has a, a meeple shape router bit, that'd be, I would be highly interested in that. So. Okay, honestly, that is a good question. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, you've totally got me with woodworking. <laughs> it's like, so, um, I was thinking woodworking, and um, I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know. I mean, that that is a very good point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you but could, if you had one router bit, you could get the profile and then flip the stick and get the other side. And then the, the little, little split in the legs there, you can do with a different. You can just do that with a table saw, probably. Um, okay, I'll, but nope. I'll take your word for okay. it. Okay, 
<laughs> but I've been able to unable to find a way to make uh, meeples in mass quantities. That's cool. And and Roy, you actually do um, woodworking, and you make like dice boxes and yep. stuff like that. Yeah, that's my okay. day job too. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Oh. Did not know. All right. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, the next thing we had was there was an update on, from Catalyst Games on the new Battletech box sets. And this is kind of important to me as a longtime Battletech player. This is the first miniature game I ever played, probably around 1990. And I've continually played it ever since. They're doing a, yet again, a new version of the box set, the beginner box set. And following it along, this is probably the 16th version or so. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's been a whole thing. It's like, uh, you know, they, they're like, first it was metal, and then it was crappy plastics, and sort of good plastics, then back to crappy plastics. And, uh, yeah, I kind of hope these will be good. So, yeah, I love this game. It's a great PC game. You can get on Steam, and uh, you should try it out that way. It has a lot of flavor from the actual tabletop game, if you want to try it. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Big-ass fighting Coming robots. Mm-hmm. I hope it's good. <laughs> uh, so the next thing was, um, this will be sort of an editorial, more or less. I this is from Anticelli's workshop, and he's asking for your help, quote-unquote. And uh, I've followed Anticelli for a, a good decade or so now. And um, and this particular article that you can read in the show notes, he, it kind of expressed that the industry is changing and vice versa. He's having to lay people off. He's not doing well, and... You know, and he kind of lists, like, the reason why he's not doing well. It's just kind of something I wanted to talk about for a minute. Uh, one of his points is 3D printers are becoming kind of common. And uh, that's a problem for him, uh, you know, specifically. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do here. You know, with this, it's like, first of all, it's like board gaming, tabletop gaming, miniature gaming. All this is very niche. No, you know, no matter what you think, no matter how many people are playing at your local store, there could be like 300 whatever. But there, there's still, there's not a lot of them. It's not like a video game or anything like that. So you just kind of have to realize that, that it's small, it's niche. And so the smaller guys that are printing out stuff are kind of having a problem maintaining and and surviving and so yeah this is just a thing so with him you know he's like you know this sucks with i'm having to lay people off because of pirates and uh you know everybody has their own 3d printer and and whatnot it's just interesting to see where the industry is going uh, he even mentions Kickstarter, you know, in here with, uh, you know, different stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the guy. I followed him along. I, you know, bought a bunch of stuff from him for the past 10 years. But it kind of comes down to, well, what can the market bear? And, you know, he's absolutely right that, 
you have to deal with home 3D printing. Even locally in my local gaming stores, uh, you know, I there are guys that are like, hey, I'll make that for you for this much. You know, you don't need to buy it from wherever. It's, it, it's a thing. Yeah, markets change. Um, and he's not the first or last guy that's going to have to figure out how to adapt his business to changing markets. Uh, the 3D printing thing is definitely, uh, you know, for somebody that's making terrain features, it looks like it's that's definitely going to hit him hard. Um, but 3D printers aren't; they're getting more and more common. But I, I'm not sure that they're so common that um, I, I guess they're not so common that they're putting people out of business yet because. For for my my own example, I mean, if I wanted to go out and buy terrain, I'm not going to buy a $350 printer or a $500. They, they probably start at three, $350 or so, but the better ones are more than that. Um, it's, right. it's going to be a lot easier to just buy terrain if, if I just want to play at home. Um, the 3D printing is almost like a new hobby in and of itself. That's for people that, that want to do it for itself, not because they're looking for a cheaper way to get terrain. You know, You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, with that, and, you know, they talk about, like, recasters and blah, blah, blah. I mean, honestly, unless your game's workshop, I don't really think you need to worry about recasters. It's, you know, that's, ugh, it's, it's, it's just not a thing, I, I believe. And I, I would like to hope, you know, hope that that's, like, a thing, but, you know, whatever. I But so many people are just, just so instantly are like, you know. You know, recasting, that's the whole reason why I'm not, you know, doing well and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think that's a thing, but, yeah. So, moving on, um, yeah, hope the guy ends up well, but moving on. And, uh, yeah, I was, there is a darker version of Equestria coming for the My Little Pony RPG. How did you, and I wanted to how did you find this? What were you Googling I, that this came up? I follow ICB too because it's a good thing with the industry. And um, I actually bought the uh, the Equestria RPG for my kids, and uh, I think this is really cool because I watched, you know, I watched the first three or four seasons when my kids were growing up, and uh, yeah, this this whole thing where you know Celestia didn't take over and it's Nightmare Moon, and yeah, it's this is good, this is awesome, and uh, yeah. I, I really appreciate that it's, it's gone dark. It's it's very, you know, it's, yeah, it's grim dark in Equestria yeah. for My Little Ponies. I just need so, My yeah. Little Ponies and Zombies. Yeah, that that could happen, sure, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm just going to bring this to your attention, toss it on here, and there you go. So, uh, moving on, there is a, uh, who put this on here? They're adding Chabrut? Yeah, I put this on there. They're, they just announced a couple new factions are going to be coming out for Root. And some new maps as well. They're going to be kickstarting it uh, next year, I think. Early next year, they're going to have another Kickstarter. So uh, there's already a couple factions, a couple expansion factions, and they're going to release a couple more now. So the, the Crows and also some new maps. So if you are looking to expand on your Root game, it's, it's on its way. All right. That's – man, that's really cool. Okay. And I'm going to uh, Board Game Geek Con in a couple weeks, yeah. and um, I tried to schedule a Root game, and it didn't work out. 
we'll, we'll get to that in a minute to what I actually scheduled. And yeah, gummit, I really want to play this game, but it just seems impossible. So uh, the next one we had, there's actually an RPG coming out for, you know, for Root from Magpie Games is the uh, the game of Woodland. You know, Root is the game of Woodland, might and right. But uh, they're coming out with an RPG for it. And, um, yeah, they Magpie Games has acquired the license from Letter Games to make this RPG. Uh, you know, I really dig everything about Root, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. And, um, yeah, I love the stuffed animals. I love all the shit that's coming from it, and it looks awesome. And I would love a copy to play it. And I don't want to buy one because I figure my friend Chris will buy it. And, uh, yeah. so You said you were having a stare down with him over. I am. Okay. Because it's like, all right, who's going to buy this? Who's going <laughs> to buy it? Because it was like, uh, you, know, in the, you know, in the confusion, as we mentioned in the last podcast, from the last uh, GMT sale, because I, I wanted to buy, was it uh, World War One Commander? Whatever it's called, uh, the Great Great, great War Commander. Great War yeah. Commander, yeah. So, and then you couldn't do it. Well, he has a copy of that, so that means I shouldn't buy it because you know he's the guy I would play with it. So, there you go. So, uh, yeah, one of us is gonna buy Root, and I really wanted to play the game. There are like four or six games being played for it at a board game geek con and uh yeah so there it goes i couldn't get it on any of those but i'll tell you right now what i ended up playing the first thing was at any cost mets so you did get to play this or you're going to be playing it i'm going to play it at board okay game geek perfect and which sucks because it's like hey you'll read the rule book um, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> Don't rely on me to figure this stuff out. You know, for any cosmetics, it's, it's not that complicated a game. I mean, it's, you know, there are, there are little quirks about it, but there's good, uh, player aid handouts that show, you know, there's event shits in there. So when you draw the event shit, you'll have to look and see what exactly that means. And, you know, it's going to mean you're going to get an extra shot with your cannons or, you know, there's, there's several things that can happen, but that's all going to be on the player aid chart. And any cosmets is not a particularly complicated game, but it is a really good game. So I think you'll enjoy it. Just watch a video. You don't need to read the rule book on that one. Did you say the event shit? The event shit. C H I T. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that that's like the first thing I have, and then I'm going to play some ESL. That's on there. Excellent. That one is um, a little more complicated. Yeah, yeah I know. And he, he doesn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't expect that much for me. And then um, the next thing was Fields of Despair, France 1914 to 1918. This is a block game from, um, what is it? Is it GMT? It is GMT, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I had to wait till it loaded. But you're right, it's GMT. And uh, I'm playing in that. And all these, I'm going to have to read over the rules and read over the scenario. Because, oh my gosh, I'm the worst when it comes to this. You know, but I'm going to do it. And the last thing I have scheduled is one by the sword. And I have this listed as if. And that's because it's a game I bought from the GMT sale. Yeah, we've both got this one on the way. Yeah, so if it doesn't come in... 
I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to bring it, and, you know, I'm the guy that's supposed to be muling this, and, um, yeah. So that's that's where we are. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, and that's my BGG Con schedule. If you follow us on Twitter, I will, yeah, and that's become, like, the thing, I, I guess, to figure out what we're doing. Because I looked at a lot of different things in the past couple of days to kind of show, you know, RSS feeds and whatnot. And apparently I was surprised to find out that RSS feeds are a thing of the past. Google stopped supporting them like six months ago and blah, blah, blah. And everybody goes to Twitter. So I'm planning on the six-hour drive to Dallas doing a live show with my friend, my friend Chris from Board Game Skunk Works, and um, yeah, we're, we're going to just talk about whatever. Not for six hours. I'm assuming we're going to go and come back, and, you know, we'll do two or three shows, I imagine, you know, in the thing. And I, I've got some uh, different cameras and stuff to do record, you know, just the, the con, interviews, different stuff like that. And I'm going to try to you know, uh, post it while I'm down there, you know, each thoughts I had from the day of, but, you know, the reality is this is my first experience with this. We'll see how it goes. Gamers in cars getting cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, that's kind of like what it's going to be. Is It's going to be like comedians in cars, yep. you know. It's just going to be us. I bought this thing. The car probably won't be to, as nice, uh, though. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's borrowing his mom's car. <laughs> Because he drives a truck and it doesn't have really good uh, gas mileage, so. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I think this will be you know kind of a, a whole thing. And I, this is me. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring you guys things that you might want. Uh, for whatever reason, you continually download our podcast. I see it on the uh, you know the 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 list and it's a whole thing and you guys like us for whatever reason and I guess I would mention yeah um I did hear back from um Warlord Games and they're sending me a couple of copies of uh Black Powder two and I'm gonna send those out <laughs> after all the things that we've gone through so if you still are interested in that they haven't arrived yet so drop us a line at chanceofgaming at gmail dot com and yeah there you go. So, listen to us. Hopefully. Get stuff. Yes, that's that's the way that's the way it should be. Well, hey, I wanted to mention that you may know that in, a, in just the next few days there's going to be an election, and oh yeah, and people should go and vote. And whatever lame ass excuse you have that you're not going to go vote, it sucks. Go vote. Very true. Whatever you want to vote for, go vote. Yep. No excuse. This is you know this is it. What if your this excuse? Is is that Adam doesn't get this edited in time and it doesn't drop until Wednesday. Wow. And I didn't know that there no. was an election. <laughs> I guess I, I, I can't I can't rewind time. Yeah, sure. That that we know of. Oh, Maybe well, we yeah, not that I'm going to we'll let try. on. Yes, we'll try. Anyway, so we really appreciate you listening to us and, you know, continuing on and, um, yeah. Yep. Awesome. If you're at St. Louis on the 17th or on any third Saturday of the month, please uh, look up STL Wargamers and come play games with us. Where's my t-shirt, Richard? 
I don't have my t-shirt. I haven't I seen Jim go- since July. I actually just sent him an email now saying, hey, when are we going to play ASL again? I'll get it from him. Mm-hmm. I think so, you're yeah, going to get that t-shirt when I see you in July, though. I, I believe it. <laughs> he's, he's running around St. Louis in my t-shirt <laughs> doing God knows what. You know, so, yeah. The whole thing. So yeah. In any way, we'll try I, to get that. Honestly, we'll try to get that to you so that you can wear it when you play ASL for the first time. Yes, you should. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's you're listening to this. The next time I'll be at BGG Con, follow us on Twitter, and you'll see what I'm wearing, and can get a a sticker, a magnet, a um a button because <laughs> I got a bunch of those. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a whole thing and. If not, I'm going to hand those out to people that didn't say they wanted them, and it'll be a whole thing. Just so, stick them on yeah. people's back as they're walking around? Yes, all right. that'll be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It'll just be a thing. So, yeah, there you go. It's all right. Thanks for listening to us, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you after BGGCon. Good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>